You're listening to the Blair List Podcast. Okay, tequila in hand. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Blair List Podcast. Today, I am joined by production duo Paperwater. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> hey, guys. Hey, guys. So this is a very different episode because before we even started, we already had tequila <laughs> in our hands. So I think every episode needs to start off this way. On this podcast, we like to start at the beginning. So where are you guys from and what did you want to be when you grew up? So my family's from Liberia, West Africa, and I wanted to be an astronaut when I was a kid. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. And you, Eddie? Um, I was born in Haiti. So, hey guys, Eddie here. <laughs> I was born in Haiti, and when I was younger, I wanted to be a doctor. But I'm squeamish, so music made more sense. How did you guys meet? We met in high school, and uh, we were both trying out for the football team. And then <laughs> I'll let Eddie continue. Um, so... Deji, I met Deji sophomore year of high school, and I hated him because he was better than me. He was like faster, and he just didn't even know how to play football, and it like made me or really run upset. properly. But the more and more we hung out, uh, he ended up being like this like quirky, weird, funny guy, and he was like into music and very artistic. So I was like, man, this guy's like cool, and. I feel like the best relationships start that way when you guys hate each other. Yeah. It's so common that you end up becoming best friends after. So the question that everybody wants to know, where did the name Paperwater come from? Ooh, it's, it was, it's not that exciting of a story. So we were in line at Taco Bell. <laughs> and I think it was, we were both interning at Slip and Slide Records in Miami. And we were just coming up with random names that could work in the music industry. And and then what were some of them like? Um, we were saying like Cookie Crisp, like Fruit Loops. We were just like mouthing things off. And I think uh, Deji said paper water and we kind of like both looked at each other and we were like, <laughs> just like that. It was like, ping. Um, and we were like, paper water, that's gonna stick. And um, yeah, we kept writing it down. Deji would like write it down, sketch off the logo, and like we would tell people, and they're like, that's not that bad. And they just ran with it. You guys have so many talents. You're a production duo. You also have your own media company called Half Full Creative, and you also have Wet Paper Records. Mm -hmm. So let's first dive into the music portion. How would you guys describe your sound? I think it's a blend of multiple genres, electronic, indie, hip hop. Uh, both of our parents had like vinyl records, like Eddie like inherited a huge collection of vinyl records. And then so we just listen to music from all over the world, old, new, Japanese funk. How did you guys go from being on a football team to producing music? Um, I got this one. Okay, so Deji would was always into music production, although he was like on the football team. So we had a football table as every high school does. And Deji would bring his beats and play it for us. And we would kind of like freestyle and joke. And 
the first beat he brought was like so bad we ended up just like roasting him for 30 minutes and but now he's here today and he's like a great music producer but yeah he's like remember when you roasted me yeah, you feel bad about going, that now right i remember going home i was like i showed him i went home and made a beat so i was like i'm gonna make a good beat <laughs> so i can show them tomorrow since you guys are in a group together what's it like making music do you guys have a lot of differing opinions or are you always kind of on the same page um i think all, like what deji said earlier a lot of our influences like uh they they like blend together so usually he'll make something and I, I will like it because I'm just like a fan of him and like vice versa yeah so like I'll do something and he'll be like that's great and then that's good for me because a lot of the times I think whatever I do sucks so he was he's always there to kind of just be like no that's good let's keep that and vice versa yeah, it's always good to have that sounding board, especially when it's in a creative field, because I feel like a lot of artists that I know, they tend to second guess themselves when actually when they're doing that, it's like their best work, but yeah. they're just so wrapped up in it. So it's important and you're really lucky to have each other to mm -hmm. sort of like act as that sounding board. Growing up in Miami, how did that influence your sound? Do you feel like you were more interested in like the hip-hop scene that was happening here or more influenced by your parents or the people you were around? So for me, I didn't listen to rap music. I wasn't allowed to listen to, like, hip-hop until eighth grade. So I like, just weren't allowed? Like, your parents wouldn't let like, you? My dad wouldn't let me listen to it. Listen to it. So the only thing I had was, like, my piano. So I, I, my mom put me in lessons, and I was classically trained in piano, and I listened to rock music. Oh, wow. 94.9 Zeta. <laughs> Doesn't exist. <laughs> Doesn't exist. How about you? Um, for me, I have three older brothers, so they would always play, like, the craziest rap music. So I was listening to Biggie when I shouldn't have been, and, like, Tupac, and I was, like, very involved in the beef. I remember crying when, like, both of them died. And, um, yeah, like, I kind of feel like every step along their musical journey i was like uh there so like every time they were like into new york hip-hop i was like into new york hip-hop because i wanted to be like my brother so um that's kind of how like i got into it and um yeah like and then oh then we ended up interning at slip and slide records so that was like i was handling plaza's uh like street team i was the head of street team in north florida for applies. Oh, really? <laughs> North Florida, where is that? Like, exactly? just Orlando up. Oh, wow, so you would drive up with the t-shirts and everything? Yeah, I had a team, and we'll go, and we'll put it on light poles. And then I remember <laughs> it was when uh, Obama was running for president. This is, I quit after this, and it was like, plies for president. I'm not proud of it, but that story just it's needs to be out there. still a better choice. Yeah. <laughs> what was it like working in the music industry, even though you were interning, versus being an artist in the industry now it was actually cool because we um so one of our friends aki his sister was trina's manager and so we started interning there and that's when i was like i want to like be in a studio like you weren't allowed to be in a studio so you had to like look through they wouldn't let you in so you had to look and see the, the little money. tiny panel yeah, yeah. <laughs> so i would look and i'll be like oh man like trina's so cool. in there i want to like yeah, like I want to like control the board. I don't, the soundboard looked like a spaceship to yeah. me. 
still looks that way to me. I have yeah. no, no idea what any of those keys do. It is, though. It's amazing. Do you think that being in quarantine has hindered your creative process at all? Like, how has it been for you guys? It's been really great because I, um, usually I'm self-motivated, so I wake up really early and just, like, work on music. But now, since I have nowhere to go and, like, there's no parties, there's no, like, events or no, like, dis outside distractions, I'm able to just, like, really lock in. And we've been able to complete a lot of projects that mm -hmm. we've had that have been, like, incomplete with different artists. That's awesome. So you guys did used to throw a monthly party at Koyo. Mm -hmm. Talk to me about how that got started and where the idea came from. It got started from half. So before a half full creative was like an agency, it was the party. And so it was like the half full party. And what we do, we just like change the name over years to like different names to match like whatever we're feeling. So 808 was like that series. So we do parties and series i think we'll do like 10 parties and then we'll stop and then oh that's so awesome yeah. so what were some of the names that you had before we had half full well half full was a, the longest running series that kind of went like over two years mm -hmm. and we took like a hiatus and just did it as paper water like doing dj sets at like coil mm -hmm. and i think it was fen that was like you guys should do a monthly party and he got selection, he connected us with selection, and that's how it was like 808, and there's always one DJ from selection. Right, Soul right. Selection. Selection. Yeah. Love selection. How did you guys get to perform at music festivals like Three Points? <laughs> the DeMarco story. Okay. Oh, yeah, this is a good one. <laughs> <laughs> what? I like this wacky. <laughs> this is like this is not how you do music festival i'll tell you this story okay so there's this guy named demarco who's like the most interesting guy in miami that we met like he's someone you write uh like a script about like a character in a tv show like entourage mm -hmm. and so he has he had a ma magazine called uh midtown miami mag and he was like do you guys want to do an interview for free and DJ for me for free at uh, SLS and like they have budget. He's like, no, no, you know, you know, like, no, Miami thing. There's yeah. no budget, but look, there's gonna be video. There's gonna be someone painting while you're DJing. So we're like, for some reason, we're like, <laughs> let's just do it because across the street we had the half full party at Rec Room, and so we go there, we DJ. It's very regular. Underwhelming, yes, yeah. underwhelming. And then DeMarco's like, oh, come, I want you to meet someone. And there's, it's like a talent buyer. And he's he's just chilling there. And he's just like, <laughs> he's like looking at us. And he's like, I like your hats. Yeah, we had two fedoras. <laughs> we were wearing fedoras at the time before Future did it. Um, actually, So sold, Miami of you. And our friend, our friend Christian, shout out Christian, actually designed them for us and sold it to Future. The one with the A on it. Oh wow, shout out Christian. Yeah. So we meet we meet him, he looks at us and then he says, Oh, I like your hats. And he's like, anybody that could wear hats like that and DJ is good. I think he said something like it was like a it was like a movie line, like anybody that could wear hats like that and DJ is good enough for me. Send me music tomorrow. And I No, no, like, send me music like yesterday. Yeah, oh yeah. And yeah, then we're like, Oh my god, this guy's such a douche. <laughs> And then, <laughs> and he's like, yeah, I'm doing a little festival thing like in, in Texas. And then we're like, okay. And then a month later, 
it was actually with Insomniac that does like EDC and everything, and they got the hotel, everything. And then um, our manager at the time, like we just built like a tour around that, went to LA, and then festivals. We just started getting booked. I feel like that's a typical night in Miami where something super random like that happens and actually leads to mm-hmm. a, like a great experience for you guys. So if you were an up and coming artist, how would you go about trying to play at festivals? Like now that you've been there, do you think that a lot of it has to do with like self-promotion and let them find you or you should go and reach out to them? So another side of the story was that we were practicing to do festivals without no connections. So we were like just doing it in a garage for like a year. So you manifested it basically. Yeah. Yeah. And I know that sounds like like a a bullshit answer, but we were really doing that. And so when we got booked for festivals, we were like ready to do it. But to go back on what you said, I do think it's a lot of self-promotion because um, I don't think anyone likes when you reach out to them. They kind of want to be the one that like discovers like new talent and like this new musician and like, um, I don't, I guess like this new sound, they want to be the person that's like finds the next Drake or the weekend. So I definitely think it's about self-promotion and um, putting yourself out there in more ways than you expect. I think for us, we had a rule where we didn't do free gigs anymore. And After that, was, that night? <laughs> well, before that night. Oh, and, okay. Uh, our manager was like, just try it out. Trust me. Just do this one time. And we did it. And the rest was history. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It ended up leading you to so many other opportunities, right? So Mm -hmm. I think that definitely it's important to get paid for your work and have it be valued, but Mm -hmm. also sometimes if you think an opportunity can help you even more than just getting paid whatever your fee is, Mm -hmm. that it'll bring more opportunity for you, I I think that that's an amazing thing to do. I don't think Mm -hmm. people should be so against like, oh, I'm not getting paid enough for this. You have to kind of look at the bigger picture and see is this going to benefit me later on? Am I going to maybe meet someone there that can connect me? And I think like you have to always act like you're going to meet somebody yeah. and always be like on your A game and really promoting yourself and doing all of your marketing. And since you guys have an agency, what has that been like for you marketing yourself when it comes to social media and like being really consistent with releasing music? It's really hard. Yeah, we actually just were finishing up promo for uh, EP. We're dropping at midnight tonight. Um, tonight? Yes. Wait, I didn't even know that. I know where yeah. it's exclusive. This is a. Uh, you heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> I know we have to add. Wait, um, that's awesome! I had no idea. So perfect timing. So yeah, yeah we we're doing the rollout. We just did a surprise like on Instagram to see. We're like, oh, we're releasing this at midnight with uh, Dina Adine. Oh, awesome. Yeah, She's so great. So yeah. it's a joint EP. Oh, wow. So, How did that happen? Oh, we've been working with Dina for like four years. So this is like, I think this is the first batch of like a hundred songs we have with Dina. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. And then these were the ones we felt strongly about. So we just kind of well, like EP. What's yeah. the name of your project? Vroom. Vroom. Yeah. And then there's a music video that we're working on and she's on a motorcycle. And the very on brand the EPs like it's a fun EP and it goes through a bunch of genres. Mm-hmm. So talk to me about the process of creating that because you not only have YouTube and now you're adding another person into the mix. Mm-hmm. What was that process like? Um, I think 
it was very easy for her to assimilate because we're music producers and mm -hmm. um, having a female vocalist always like uh, just like complements yeah, your production. Yeah, it's and easier for us too. We like working with like singers mostly. Mm -hmm. How would you describe the project, the sound? Like um, futuristic R&B techno. Afro pop. Afro, B, Afro yeah. pop, yeah. yeah. How many songs is it? Three. Just three? But there's one From a hundred song songs? I yeah. promise you. You gotta all. have a part two. Come yeah. on. Okay. And I guess the process, like Dina's incredible. Like so sometimes, like when we meet, we're able to like just talk about ideas and it's very easy. It's almost like we don't have to think about how we're gonna work with each other. It's, it's organic. Yeah. yeah, it's like we really, it feels like, I mean, we have been working for years, but the first time we worked with her, it felt like we're working for years. Going back to creatives, usually when I speak to them, they get really nervous before they drop music and they're kind of hesitant because they're putting a project that they've worked so hard for uh, out into the world and then people sort of say how they feel about that. Does that ever cloud your judgment when you guys are making music or is it kind of just you do your own thing? Most definitely. Like uh, I'm very self-conscious about my music. Same. I think that's like why we have hundreds of tracks and they don't come out until someone accidentally hears it and they're like, why isn't this out? I li um, so a lot of people have like our private SoundCloud link, which has like unfinished projects. Oh my God, tracks. I need that, I need that, oh, that link. I need your <laughs> advice actually. Um, so people, sometimes people are like, I listen to your unreleased stuff more than your released stuff. And like, that's like, we started to be like, okay, well, we can't like just sit on songs for three years. That makes no sense. Quarantine made us realize, and I think recently we just started getting comfortable being uh, paper water, as like a thing. Years later. Yeah, because for for me it felt like imposter syndrome. Like we like working in our house, but then being an artist and promoting yourself is like very unnatural. Mm -hmm. Especially when you have an agency and you're so used to promoting other brands. Yeah, it's weird. Promoting yourself is like impossible almost. Yeah. And you overthink everything and you're like, why am I thinking this way? It's so easy for me to work with other brands. Mm -hmm. Totally feel you on that. So having, like working together and then also working with Dina helped us just release more music because now we have extra pressure. And so we're all the artists or a bunch of artists that are working in Miami, we're all holding each other accountable to I, release music. What are some other artists that you've been working with in Miami? Because for a lot of people who don't know, Miami actually has an amazing scene of creatives and people who work in music, who are artists, producers, songwriters, and Chris, mm -hmm. Chris Jerome, uh, she is actually a person who told me that people who do really well in Miami, they end up leaving and going to LA or they go to New York. And that mm -hmm. really stunts Miami's growth mm -hmm. because people don't stay here to really build that out. It's mm -hmm. kind of like, oh, you come up here and then you leave and you go to another major market and you kind of go yeah. about your day. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's awesome that you guys are really rooted here and working with artists from here. It's, it's pretty rare. Yeah. And I mean, you could leave and go to LA. Like I'm going to LA next week to work <laughs> with people, but, but you could come back. Right. So it's just all about being by coastal. And I think a lot of artists just get bitter. I could see why they get bitter. Cause when it's your home city, you're like treated like shit. I just think Miami is a really difficult market to break out in yeah. because it is such a Latin dominated music space. Like mm -hmm. all of the 
record labels and Spotify and all those types of companies are here, but they're only Latin music. Mm -hmm. So it's difficult for artists who maybe can't be categorized like you guys in one specific genre to really break out, make connections and um, blow it up here. I Mm -hmm. feel like it's, it's easier for people within those spheres because um, you kind of have to start from ground zero Mm -hmm. because it's, it's rare. Yeah, I definitely think also too with the lack of infrastructure in Miami, there's not enough spaces that creatives and like artists like us can meet and just be like, oh, uh, let's work on a project or like you're mm-hmm. dope, I'm dope, we see each other, we're in the same space or like we're performing. Incubator. Yeah, there's just nothing. So it's kind of just like you reaching out and like being like, come to my house, let's meet at a studio, and that's not always the most like. Um, cost-effective like you know because you have to rent the studio and you have to you know book it in advance and Mm -hmm. i totally can see that it's definitely something miami is missing maybe you guys will create it i hope so what is it like playing festivals versus the smaller spaces from three points to to koyo do you guys prefer one over the other i don't where you go first i really like the intimate shows because I feel like people listen, whereas the the festivals feel like like game day. They feel like the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. and you have these this one hour to impress everybody, and like gain new fans, and like kind of give everyone the superstar version of yourself. So, for three points, we had to like get a stylist and like oh wow plan and rehearse for like weeks beforehand mm-hmm. you guys also had a six-piece band there though yeah that's not normal for two producers to pull up with a six-piece band a lot of people didn't know we play instruments or like do that sort of like or produce like people just thought we were djs or just like weird guys that like, <laughs> yeah. like, we're like weird guys like they say they make music they yeah. <laughs> but they throw parties Let's go into the agency side of things because for people who haven't worked at agencies, they don't really know, especially owning your own company and trying to get your own clients, what that is like because it definitely can be a struggle, especially in a market like Miami where everything is really hospitality driven. Mm -hmm. So if maybe you aren't specializing in food and beverage or hotels, then how do you go about getting clients and how has that process been for you guys? So... I could talk about how Happel started. Let's do that. So we had a residency at the one hotel. It actually started with hotels. We had a <laughs> residency at the one hotel, and they wouldn't do our flyers or call a world red eye for our events for some reason. And so we ended up getting a camera and taking pictures of each other. And then we would create flyers, but then we were one of the first people to do like video flyers. And then people were like, Who, who's doing your flyers? And we're like, we are. And then we just started like, charging people for it and the agency grew organically from the party and the half full party was like a content thing so like we would get like a really good photographer now that accuses who now shoots for like uh russian and bad bunny and a bunch of celebrities and so we would just like create content and that's we started getting clients along the way over time are there specific clients that you choose to align yourself with or are you less specialized and more just working with anyone creative? I think uh, we're more aligned with like fashion and music brands and like uh, clients or brands that like want to work with like 
creatives like us that way it's an like easy plug and like it just fits like like soundcloud um we t we partnered up with soundcloud during art basel and did like a three-day panel and like the 808 party at the end of the day at the um end of the three-day event yeah, yeah the whole three-day event and to us that made much more sense because we grew up using soundcloud we use soundcloud now and it kind of just made sense to like uh book everybody we knew or kind of just like get our friends involved in mm -hmm. that project and it made sense to them as well how did you get connected with soundcloud so that's through half full actually yeah the, the first half full party with yeah the Mario. first half full <laughs> so yeah there's this guy that cussed me out when we got uh, the sunny i'm digital. sensing a theme here <laughs> yes i saw he he's this guy mario shout out mario and he got drunk and he was with um he tried to fight Sunny Digital and 21 Savage's manager, and then I had to kick him out. And then three years later, um, he's like, yo, um, I want to connect you with someone. I want to connect you with someone from SoundCloud to talk about Art Basel, but I want to be a part of it. He connects us, and then he just disappears. Like, I can't reach him. And then we, for four months, I was talking to uh, Steven from SoundCloud about the idea of doing Art Basel and then three weeks before. Yeah, then we went into hyper mode like with booking the venue, which got changed three times. Yeah. Uh, getting the furniture for everything, uh, making sure the toilets worked. Like we did everything that day, so. And that was the first time that a client just gave us money, like beforehand. And it was like, do everything. Yeah, they're just like, do everything. Yeah. So you did everything for that entire everything event? Everything was done by four people. And then that's how the no. production side was born? Oh, no. You were so, doing that beforehand? Yeah, we were doing that beforehand, but on a smaller scale. Like, I uh, edit also for Diesel for like their for, for a successful living campaign. So, like, I do a lot of the videography when they come here and do events. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's awesome. I also edit like their interview series. Oh, and wow. that's like a side of our production so like video editing and i guess it just like editing's our number one thing my role in half is like i'm the person that like like i'll meet someone on a boat <laughs> like He's randomly i'd like to get a client it. yeah like uh or whatever it is and then that's how it happens how do you guys figure out pricing when it comes to clients in the beginning of your journey because i feel like in the beginning that's always something people always undersell themselves and don't realize how much budget brands actually do have so when you talk to them and you're like oh yeah i'll do this for x amount they're like yeah for sure you're like oh my god they agreed right away it was yeah. way too low yeah. so how did you guys work on that was it more trial and error and finding Definitely things out yeah like getting screwed over realizing that this isn't worth the hourly rate that i'm doing it on like the edits that they're coming i was like it's almost like you feel it out and then you have like a, a floor and a ceiling and then you kind of hit them with the ceiling and knowing that they're <laughs> gonna put you down so if you're okay with like your midway like that's kind of high i'm always like that's a good point flexible yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. that's a really good point because i think that you always should ask for more mm -hmm. because they're always going to try and reduce yeah. your rate. Yeah. So it's important to, you know, go big or go home. Yeah. You guys are now playing at the Faina. Mm -hmm. Talk to me about that. Is it a party? No, 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 it's not a party. So we got chosen to be artists and residents at the Faina. So 
the Fayina is actually a district and they have the Fayina Forum and they open up three rooms for us to move like our studio, like all our equipment in to like create content and do projects. And so it's been three months there and we've been doing like different projects, a lot of initiatives. We're also teaching, so. You're teaching? Yeah. yeah. We start teaching next week? No, two weeks. Okay, two weeks. So At the Faina? Yeah, we're teaching kids all over the world about pr producing like in our style and how to do how to perform at festivals. That's Alongside amazing. Susie Analog. Shout yeah. out to Susie Analog. Yes. Yeah. That's amazing. So ha talk to me about that process. Like you guys have been going there constantly? Yes. So we have access to this giant forum and um, how, how the process started, we were like just chosen to be in it with Susie. And um, from there, we just, everyone had to have like one project they wanted to do. So we have a campaign called the Florida Project and it's basically to showcase creatives in Florida. And so all our projects that we're doing there is geared towards that. So who are some people that you've worked with on that? Um, okay. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, King Doshas, Dina, Dean, um, everyone on our label, Morgan Bryson, Coffin Tex. Uh, we also been working with uh, clothing brands, t-shirt brands. We also been shooting short films with, uh, I'm going blank, James Quinn. Uh, I don't know. Is this just like an ongoing thing or is it a set amount of time that you guys are working there with them there? Uh, it's an ongoing thing. Uh, at first it was a set amount of time, but I think it's gone so well that they're kind of like, hey, we like having <laughs> you guys around. You mm -hmm. Because we've also helped them with their live series, which is like on more on the production side and the, um, the online classes to kind of mm -hmm. run into everything they're currently doing. So they're just like, hey, you guys should stick around until we reopen. So talk to me about you guys teaching. Is this something new for you or have you done this in the past? No, this is new. Brand new. And you're starting in a few weeks? Yes. Are you excited? Yes, and nervous. And nervous? Yeah. Yes. So what kind of things are you going to be teaching and what are the ages of people that you're going to be teaching? 12 to 18. Oh, wow. And we will be teaching music production through uh, Ableton. So... Uh, you could join if you want. We're going to put our Eventbrite up soon. Oh my um, god, I would love to. Yeah, um, so we'll be teaching kids how to like basically make a track from scratch. Wow. Yeah. She's going to go on the Eventbrite and <laughs> say $3,000. <laughs> That's how much it says. Oh wow. Oh wow. It's $3,000. Okay, well too. maybe um, <laughs> you can kids. give me a private lesson for less. And <laughs> as far as people, we're, I went blank because we worked with so many people. We're working with like collectives like companies and do you guys find them yes <clears throat> he's like doing an online shop with like multiple brands so it's like a just like essence like just basically doing a florida version of essence oh wow yeah so i've been taking pictures i've been shooting with models like i've been you guys doing like fashion do everything I, I mean i you're just, so you're so well-rounded in your talents i can't sit still yeah <laughs> What's That's why I went blank because I think it, we worked with more than 50 people. In how long? In like two months. Wow. Yeah, and we're COVID free. Oh, I hope so. Yeah. We're so sitting we, right next uh, to each other. Practice six feet. <laughs> we do a good job of sanitizing our whole bodies. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're COVID-free. Don't worry. I got tested recently, so mm-hmm. negative there. What is next for you guys besides dropping the EP tonight? You know, what are some other things that you're working on aside from, you know, taking over the world and teaching kids how to make music? Yeah. Um, what do we have coming up? Uh, I don't know. We're going to talk about it, actually. Ooh, top secret. The HBO thing? talk about it okay we're like writing us uh so on the half post side we have alex who's like a genius and he writes like movie scripts and so one of our friends that's a producer in new york uh connected us with hbo and we're all writing like a like a movie and we're what at, like, yeah that's so you're saying that film. so calmly like well it's like literally on the script writing stage so we have to like when it comes you have to, to like create the yeah. movie yeah <laughs> but it's an email thread it's a real thing that is like it's a legit like, email thread happening yeah that's amazing are you I guys mean, excited super excited yeah it's, ba- it's based i feel numb actually to it because it's like <laughs> not, until like i'm on the film so i'm like wow until yeah. the film is wrapped that's how i am i'm like yeah. it's not real until it's the end and you're like Same. oh my god did that just happen but the cool thing about it because i've been learning how to celebrate small wins it's just dope that like we even the fact that we have the opportunity to do that it's like oh we this music thing could grow into something yeah. bigger not even music i mean you guys have so many talents you're mm-hmm. like renaissance men you do everything give mm-hmm. them a camera you can edit it shoot it yeah we have an incredible team like small team it's really hard but we have claudio alex aaron morgan Kavitex, yana um who else am i missing chris we have people that come on the film side that now we're we're getting better at like delegating our ideas and then trusting people to do them. So that's like what we're trying to figure out. Yeah, because I'm sure it could be difficult, especially when you have your own thing going on, you're protective of it mm-hmm. and you want to make sure that everything you put out is perfect. And you can't really do large scale projects by yourself. No, you really can't. You like, need you a really team. Need, like yeah. at one point, if you want to grow, you need a team. Like the most successful people in the world have hundreds of people behind them they have Mm -hmm. villages that are like really putting the work in Mm -hmm. and they're kind of like strategizing yeah and you know it takes a village yeah exactly so that's what we're realizing so you have some artists on your label Mm -hmm. how do you find them and is there anything that you look for in particular before you're signing someone new AMI right here i think a lot of the artists just kind of fall on our lap like so um I think he met Coffin Tex in Guitar Center. Yeah. And uh, Morgan Bryson, you met in college. Yes. Um, so they kind of just like come into our lives. But as for what I look for in an artist, it's kind of, I just want something that doesn't sound the same. Like I, I kind of want to listen to something and like cry. I yeah. like want my emotions to be like tickled, you know? With He um, also looks at the, their character. That's another thing, yeah. Like, who they are as a person, like, principles they have, like, how are they, they good people? Yes. Thing, you know, you build a team around, like, good people, and, like, that team's going to succeed. How do you have time to help other artists grow and also do your own stuff and also do everything that you're doing? Some artists are just smart. So some artists could look at us and be like, I want this and I know they need this. So it could be like a barter thing. And then it's like a partnership. So it just depends on a lot of the artists we're working with now don't drain our energy. 
they like add more energy. Well, you guys are very lucky. That's yeah. very rare in the music industry. Yeah. It took forever. Well, I mean, we're at a, a level where I think it's like manageable now. Yeah. It yeah. wasn't like that. This is just this year. That it's, no, of course, it's never like that. Especially in the allowed, beginning. That's like the we're allowed. It allowed us to be able to like see. And be like, okay, this is we we're clout chasing here, or like, okay, let's. This is more closer to like our true purpose. Yeah, I think you really begin to hone in on your purpose and mm-hmm. you know things that you want and people you want to surround yourself with in life in general as you go on. And I feel like the only way that you learn is by failing. Mm-hmm. So that's why I actually like to fail because then I feel like I got something out of it. And you know, you have to go through those motions to get to where you want to be. We failed a lot. <laughs> all great people have. So people that I talk to that live in Miami, I like to ask what their perfect day would be. If you had one day left in Miami from morning to night, what would you do? Like, where would you go eat? What would you go see? Um, Take all the time you need. Okay. I would start off in my sunroom. So that would be like... What an elegant answer. Yeah. In my sunroom. It's really nice. It's so (laughs) nice. Um, I would start off with a coffee and oat milk. Okay. um, And a little bit of honey, right? And I would sip it with my pinky up. And then... It's kind of true what he does. You're like, no, this is... I can attest to that. This is all real. And then I would digest that and go on a bike ride, right? And I'd probably head to the beach probably like lay on the sand and just like roll in it because it's my last day and I don't care about how I look yeah <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> um I'd probably be sandman and like run after all the like the birds and like I'll hop in the water rinse myself out um as far as where I'd eat I'm not sure I'm, I'm Haitian so I'd probably want a good home cooked meal so I'll probably go back to my mom's and get that food Probably not tell her it's my last day. Um, what else? I would make music because I love mm-hmm. making music, so I do it every day. Like even if it's for like thirty minutes, I'll make like a beat and like leave. Um, I don't know, and I think that's it. And I'll just spend it with the people, like with my friends. You know? Yeah. Yeah. How about you? Um, a perfect day for me is I wake up early. I would. I'll wake up on a waterfront property that I rented for an Airbnb staycation. So it'll be my last day. Um, around mid-beach. So I would go, I'll have my bike, I'll go for a bike ride, I'll work out. I will have like a light breakfast with croissant, like a warm croissant. I'll eat that at the beach. I'll smoke some weed, get high, jog from jog down the beach do two miles, take a shower at the standard, the cold plunge, I'll do the cold plunge. Then I would get brunch at the standard, take a nap at the standard, and then go home and work on some music. Wow. You have unlimited money on this last day. No, that's that's like $300. (laughs) Like you do the standard spa day. But you just came from your Airbnb into the standard. The one that I go to is like right there so I can ride my bike. You didn't want to stay at the standard? No. I like just to be able to move around. I love the Lido 
mm-hmm. restaurant. Oh, Lido's awesome. It's, it's not, not that expensive. It's not, but the view is everything mm-hmm. at sunset. I mean, I'm impressed. I felt like I was there with you guys. I feel very relaxed now. Like I yeah, just spent a whole spa home. day. Yeah, we do. <laughs> I do. Yeah. yeah. So do you guys have any last inspiring words for creatives? Maybe like a mantra that you live by? Just listen to yourself. That's it. And, and don't be afraid to fail. Just put it out, fail, then correct yourself. Believe in yourself because nobody else will unless you do. And it starts with you. So believe in yourself and you could achieve anything you put your mind to. And I believe that. Cheers to that, guys. Cheers. I hope you enjoyed listening. Follow me at The Blair List on Instagram and Twitter. Like the Facebook page, subscribe, all that good stuff, and keep it locked. New episode dropping next Wednesday at 5 p.m. Bye.